0: We had volunteers and staff, uh, a large online group meeting every day of the week for the first couple months of COVID. But we started, we just had a meeting where we were looking at some of our data, and I looked at 2020, our ministry launched uh, 1,007 online groups.
1: Welcome to the Exponential Groups Podcast. I'm your host, Alan White. This podcast is designed to help you take the guesswork out of groups. In each episode, you will discover effective ways to recruit more leaders, form better groups, and make more disciples. Please subscribe to this monthly podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast. To access the show notes, go to alanwhite.org/episode two. Welcome to episode two of the Exponential Groups Podcast. My guest today is Jay Cranda. Jay is the online pastor at Saddleback Church in Lake Forest, California, where he oversees an online community with online small groups and home groups around the world. He is the co-author of the free ebooks State of the Church Online and Going Beyond Online Streaming. Jay is addicted to NBA basketball and cold brew coffee. He has a BA in Christian education and an MA in theology, both from Biola University. Jay and his wife, Jody, have two boys and a girl. All right. I want to welcome today's guest, uh, Jay Cranda. Did I say your name right? Yes, you said it right. You nailed it. All right. I don't know how else you would say it, but a Cranda <laughs> like Panda, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. I've, I, I've heard that one many times. Oh, well, I just thought of it. So I'm thinking I'm original, but no. You have been in online ministry for a long time. And the rest of us just got into online ministry, you know, 10 months ago. You've been a part of Saddleback and uh, how long have you been on staff uh, doing online ministry there?
0: Yeah, so I just celebrated 10 years on staff and I started off as it was like part-time online. They had a Mm -hmm. thing at the time called the internet campus and nobody was really doing anything with it because we had just like a lot of churches were always trying out things and then staff or people change and then you kind of forget. But I was really intrigued on it when i first started because i came from a church about 500 and you know there are about 500 people watching every week and i and i was just kind of amazed by that scope of impact you know and there's like 2009 2010 ish and i started to invest on it and we started uh my leader at the time introduced me to like life Church and a couple other churches to show me what you know that you know what was going on. you had um, you had Westside family, you had a life church elevation, a couple others that were just doing cool things you know yeah. and, and we went on this journey of figuring out what did it look like for our church to have a digital kind of online ministry. The first thing I did is I petitioned to change it from internet campus to online campus. That was the first thing I was. I felt like internet was like like putting eye in front of everything to match Apple, <laughs> And so but yeah, so I've been there 10 years now. Uh and it's been it's been a journey and it's looked very different over the over the seasons of of ministry, especially now in COVID. It's I feel like we're in another, you know, I keep calling it like a butterfly moment where like what is the next version of this?
1: It's almost like you know, you had that office down the hall and you were minding your own business and then COVID happened and suddenly 400 people are knocking on your door and everybody's ringing your phone off the hook. Right.
0: I I would tell any like online pastor or somebody who's getting started, you know, you want to have all this, you want to just get all this stuff done. But I think there is value in getting your foot, your feet grounded and just figuring out what do you want to do? Because once you get above the fold, you know, the tallest blade of grass gets cut first. And I think there's something around like needing to know what you actually want to do. And I think I was really grateful that I, I had some, years where I was kind of in the bunker, just tinkering and figuring out, you know, writing things, sharing things. I'm a verbal, audible, you know, learner. So that's why I have a blog and, and so forth that I just kind of share what I'm doing. And I do that for other churches to scale my time. But I honestly do that uh, for myself. It helps me figure out, you know, what do I actually think and and believe here? And um, and so I think by the time COVID came around, way before COVID, but I think we knew, you know, how is this going to function? You know, there are still things around, you know, where, how it should exactly work. But I think conceptually, at least we understand what do we want and what do we don't want?
1: Okay, now I need you to settle the debate because we've been we watch Saddleback quite a bit. We, you know, 30 some weeks of Rick in the book of James. And I'm like, dude, (laughs) it's only five chapters long. So here's the debate, because I told my wife the worship team is not really singing. They recorded it in advance and they're lip syncing and she swears that they're singing live what oh, which one is
0: it well i think i'm pretty positive it's it's recorded separately and then they leave. I knew yeah. it i I'm knew it awesome. yeah i got to be honest i'm not i've never been part of their recordings directly okay. but i i would i would be shocked if it was cuz the 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 professional quality of it and the other thing is is you know rick series is not that long when you compare it
1: to john piper's
0: romans okay
1: okay okay well we'll <laughs> give him that and the thing is he keeps it interesting and the great thing is watching Rick out at the farm because every once in a while we have to back it up because there's a rabbit or something that runs oh, yeah. across behind him. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it was interesting. I I was running some numbers and I, I had like, I, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but like most years Rick speaks like 70% of the time or something. Mm-hmm. And last year he spoke like a good 90%. Oh yeah. And it was because of COVID because of the global pandemic and all that. But uh, we, we had we had a, the the James series was was long um, <laughs> grounded,
1: but it was an awesome series. It really yeah. it really really was. And we're going to get to small groups in a minute because that's what the podcast is about. But a lot of pastors have had conversations around online engagement. Obviously, non COVID times, we're looking at attendance in the auditorium, and we're looking at giving and things like that. And so some people have even tried to put, you know, take their streams online and put a multiplier to it. How do we know, you know, we're being effective and what's really happening out there?
0: Yeah. And there's all sorts of ways to measure things. I think what's key is that you figure out the metrics that are important to your church, your denomination, whatever those things are, a top funnel to deep engagement type of scale. And there are things you measure weekly and things you measure monthly. Um, the other thing is you just got to be consistent on how you measure it so that you can notice trends because that, that's what you need at the end of the day are you going up or going down and that only happens if you're consistent and if you're constantly tweaking your measurements then the numbers is irrelevant. because great you could tell me you had a million people this week but if the next week you had two million or you had a hundred thousand what does that mean are you going wh- where are you going um and and we've been measuring our attendance one way for you know, about 10 years, and and I know, I could tell you weeks that were gonna be low, I could tell you we're high, I could tell you why we were high, because I've been looking at the same numbers every week uh, for about 10 years, and so I think it's really important. now. I would always start with on a weekend, I would look at some kind of viewership number, how many people viewed it on your website, Facebook, YouTube, or whatever, and then have like a retention number, how many people watch or listen for, you know, 10, 15, 30 minutes. And so compare those. So, you know, viewership isn't the same as watching and, and reach numbers or impressions aren't the same as actually viewing it. And so I think that's why you need both. You have like a viewership and then you have a deep engagement. Um, you know, what's hard is in building a worship attending, you know, you're not counting how many cars you drive by in front of your, your, your church, or you're not counting how many people pick their heads in you're counting how many people attend a church. And so that number is more the retention number, mm-hmm. but you also can measure all sorts of things and look at, re- look at correlation between viewership and retention. Like what happens? You look, if you start streaming on platforms, like, you know, YouTube, you can look at like drop rates, how many people skip forward. You know, um, we were just looking at our data recently and, you know, one of the learnings, this is all us tinkering. So it's not like this is a true, like true for everybody or even for us necessarily. A lot of people were skipping the front part just to go to the message, and mm. you know the suggestion came out like maybe we should experiment with not front loading the music, so quick, get to the sermon quicker, and if mm. people are more likely to hang around afterwards, maybe we put more music on the back end, and because that's going to be more of an engagement. Now that you got to pivot constantly, but those are the things if you're looking at the right things regularly, you can make the right dashboard.
1: Yeah, that's helpful, and I like the idea of not counting the cars passing by on the road. I think those would be, if anybody needs interpretation, those are your one second views. They don't yeah. count. Um, yeah, or maybe and, even your 10 second views. They, yeah, and, and, and they, again, they turned their head and then they went on.
0: <laughs> it's not a bad number to look at. I think it's just you don't count it as attendance. And I think people are just overwhelmed by, you know what what does this look like? You know, in the professional world, this would be creating like a customer journey. And looking at return of investment, you know, ROI Mm -hmm. type of things, you know, most companies know if I spend $100 on you, you know, I'm going to get this out of you. Or there are high purchases, like, you know, maybe if I spend $1,000, I'll get 10,000. And that's, that's the thought, you know, and then you just scale it. And so churches, they don't think about this, and they don't know how to place these numbers. But that's why I keep it simple. Look at viewership, look at retention, look at how many people respond on the weekend. And then monthly, look at deeper stuff, like, how many people are active in a, like a zoom uh, group, or maybe take one of your classes on your LMS, maybe Mm -hmm. how many people are active in ministry. And then you'll get a more perfect, a more holistic view of, you know, how your church is healthy online, because a lot of churches are just streaming their services and they're not offering too much more else. But if you look at everything else, then you can kind of go, Hey, wow. We talked about, you know, groups this month Mm -hmm. and our group engagement went up 20%. You'll go, Maybe we need to do that again. You know, those are the things that you start to notice and you kind of implement real changes into your kind of your, your workflow.
1: That's good. Because I think if we, you know, we need numbers to make ourselves feel good. Um, that may be a whole other issue. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we will not go there. Okay. So let's talk about, because this is a small group podcast um, let's talk about online groups in in your world. In doing online groups, how are you recruiting leaders to do online groups? How are you getting members connected into groups? What does that look like?
0: Yeah, so for us, you know, we're unique in the sense that we definitely have a, an online community, a true community that I'm a shepherd over, and we have people who congregate and meet and and kind of gather. And so I, I would really see us as a real church that's online and so Mm -hmm. we want to create you know the phrase that gets used a lot um that's been used more is like creating like a fourth space for people to connect Mm -hmm. that's digital that's not time specific that can be you know it's 24 7. so because of that you know we stream our services but we actually have a community like a facebook group and different things where people can connect with each other and meet people and because of that you know i spend a lot of time in with those like public spaces and out of that we're constantly encouraging people to take our classes and join a group or start a group. And so um, I recruit, uh, we definitely rely yearly off of a campaign strategy to get most of our groups going where we do, where our church aligns on one thing. And, you know, I would say a good 70% of our group growth a year comes from a campaign push from our entire church. We constantly have new groups going. One of our biggest things that we get new groups going is a large group model where my my small groups pastor on my team um, will host quarterly large groups or on zoom where there might be 30 to 50 people on a zoom call and he'll use the breakout feature for six to eight weeks and at the end of it you know if you had 30 or 50 people we'll say hey you've been you've been experimenting and been part of an online group the last six to eight weeks okay we're done with our large group what if you continue on after this as a small group. And out of those, we start five to eight groups. And so that's a big thing coming out of COVID that we've relied off of mainly because the start of COVID, we had such a boom of interest in groups that we didn't have enough like groups open to new people. We spent a lot of time early on refining that we actually launched. We had volunteers and staff, a a large online group meeting every day of the week for the first couple months of COVID. But we started, we just had a meeting where we were looking at some of our data and I, I looked at 2020 our ministry launched uh, 1,007 online groups, um, which is just crazy to think about. But it was because obviously COVID, all these things, we had the infrastructure and we were ready, um, and it's just crazy to think that's how many we actually launched while people were shutting down. We like, we really scaled up in a cool way. So a lot of our groups come through our campaign. And then those large group meetings after, you know, 68 weeks. And then, mm-hmm. um, and then just core volunteers, you know, as they move through our discipleship pathway, they hear group language constantly, why that's important. You know, when you fill out our membership application for online, we ask you to commit to be part in a group. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of very, it's kind of like death by a, a thousand cuts kind of <laughs> in, in another way.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, and you, you, and obviously it's a top value at Saddleback and has been yeah. for a long time. I, I've quoted Rick for years about the yeah. church needing to grow larger and smaller at the same time. But I think also the the number of groups that that you've launched, then relatively speaking with other churches I've worked with, it shows a need for connection and conversation in addition to all of the great content that churches are putting out, so yeah, and
0: it's—I mean—at the end of the day, we start groups like crazy because yeah, our pastor believes in it. He's in a group, he teaches it. I mean, that's the real thing. If, I mean, when I talk to any other church, um, I, I've had many conversations with churches are similar our sizes, and you're like, "How do you have so many groups?" And I'm like, "Hey, our pastor talks about it," and so you'll have you know churches that are are very uh, dependent on a weekend strategy and you'll find they found out at the start of COVID when they couldn't meet, you know, Hey, this is hard. Like we need to have other strategy. And I think group churches that already had group strategy in place, I think COVID was not fun to go through, but I think that they were ready to Mm -hmm. navigate it because they can lean into those smaller groups to kind of gather or meet or continue to meet. And so it was more like for our people to continue to get the care they needed during COVID wasn't that big of an issue because we did have a group infrastructure. The only issue was we had this mass education of how online groups work. Um, And that's what my team did a lot of early on, just training our fellow small group pastors, how online groups work, and then trying to offer as much training up as possible. So everybody else can learn members. And so once our pastors knew how to do it, our extended staff knew how to do it, and then most of the groups figured out, then they could educate the rest of the group members. And so it kind of like, kind of like a ripple effect. But yeah, it's, it's, we have groups because it's a, it's part of our DNA.
1: Today's featured resource is the Exponential Groups Suite. The suite is made up of two books and an online course. You'll receive my first book, Exponential Groups, Unleashing Your Church's Potential, the Exponential Groups Workbook, and the Exponential Groups Course. The course is a behind-the-scenes look at the proven strategies which have launched thousands of new groups in the last 16 years. Each session shows you how we've done it and how it can work for your church, too. Great goals need a great plan. In this online course, we're sharing components of the Exponential Group strategy with you. Each of the 21 video sessions is available on demand. Many of the templates, timelines, and examples from the Exponential Group's workbook are available as downloads throughout the course. The sessions are packed with practical information that you can apply immediately, but we also want this course to fit your busy schedule. No fluff, just the good stuff. The Exponential Group Suite is available for only $25 with free U.S. shipping. The offer expires on March 31st, so sign up right now. Go to alanwhite.org slash offer for more information. Now, let's let's talk about what, what works with online groups. What are some best practices? And then we're also going to go to maybe what hasn't worked quite as well.
0: Yeah, so I, I think um, that has been a struggle is... Continuing to figure out how to make accessing small group material easier, you know, we definitely have an infrastructure where we we have it, but I think we just want we we want people both to be able to access it, and then um, also get their other group members to access it seamlessly, so it isn't so host dependent. So, like a big gap for us right now is that most of our small group material isn't really accessible on a TV, mm-hmm. um, and so like our TV apps don't talk to our database. Because we have some custom stuff, so that's something that we've been working on. How do we integrate that? You know, we don't use an off the shelf, you know, paid service like you know many other uh, Mm -hmm. churches do. Um, And so I I just know like Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire stuff are are so important. So that's a big priority. And then also just to be able to present in a digital way a pathway with the curriculum, I think is really important because it's overwhelming, especially you know when you have high percentage of your groups that are veteran groups. You know, new groups, it's really simple. You can recommend for years stuff to go through. But I think you also have, I've been the online pastor for full time for like eight years or, you know, and, uh, you know, I have people that have been with me since the beginning. And so Mm -hmm. they've been through all of our stuff, all of our campaigns. And so I think continuing to provide infrastructure where, you know, they can access seamlessly, you know, you, you want to get to a place where technology doesn't get in the way of what you need to do. And, you know, we, we all deal with this, you know, every company deals with this. There's times that Apple who spends billions of dollars on this and Apple products confuse me, you know, even though most of the time, they're pretty simple, but I still get confused. I was just setting up family screen time stuff for my kids on, on iPads. And it just, it was a little funky, you know, I was trying to figure it out and my wife's was a parent, but for some reason her password is different. And it's just because when you have a lot of, if then not type of, infrastructure, it just gets confusing. So we want to continue to make that more seamless. And, and then I think also just getting better at making training um, integrated, you know, um, I think that there are and, you know, if, if you know anything about how Saddleback does groups, any of Steve Gladen's books, you know, like we have a we have a process of how our groups are healthy. So we might have, you know, over 2000 groups right now. But you know, that doesn't mean they're all at 100% tier, you know, we're trying to make sure they're all responsive, so I might have a couple hundred that are that are red tagged where they're not responsive. I, I have some that I'm trying to get them to become members. They they signed up and they're not members yet. And then I have some that I'm trying to get to be to take our leadership training course. And so the question is, you know, why aren't more people taking our leadership training course? Some of it has to do with access to the course, some of it has to do availability. You know, maybe that needs to be a small group curriculum. Maybe we need to rethink the naming of it. So I'm all I, I feel like on the group level where we're constantly trying to rethink and reposition is you know how to get more of our groups um trained and so we have a really great way to get groups going Um, but every every strength has a weakness and that's the weakness of ours is it's so simple to start a group with us but i think at the end it's really hard on us as staff and our volunteer team to make sure that they are healthy and so um and so we're constantly you know pruning our groups uh, working on how to get stuff, but I, I think just going through our training is something I'm always like, why isn't this easier? Why can't we just do this? Or why have only this many percentage of our groups done that? Um, you know, and, and the the other thing is just with online ministry generally, I think a lot of members and people attending churches online are still really confused at. They'll start a group and start serving, but they're like, is this really my church? And I deal with that a lot where you know, people start engaging. I find out they're at another church and I'm like, I don't want you. So I think making that more seamless, but it's going to be, um it's going to be, you know, we never want to pull somebody away from a church. So uh, number one reason why we delete groups is because of that. Like I find out they're going to a church down the street or something else. And I'm like, Hey, don't do the group with us. Do it with your church. And so we, I call it, we have like a leaky funnel where we're constantly losing people to very healthy things. They're not mm-hmm. bad things. We're not competitive on it. But so our groups are constantly going up and down because, because of that reason right there.
1: Yeah. I, I love your, your heart for other churches and uh, you, you don't need, you got numbers. You already got big numbers. You don't need more <laughs> numbers, but I also like your heart for experimentation. Uh, I don't know if I told you this. I did my very first online group in 1994 on CompuServe. Oh, my goodness. And we actually had a member of a group that came to Christ as a result of that group. And we've been great friends now for for 27 years. So, Jay, I may be the grandfather of online small groups. I don't know. But uh, CompuServe is something that I know of,
0: (laughs) but I don't know what that means. Like, I know it's constantly talked about, but yes.
1: (laughs) It's when you back when you were a number and not a name, but uh, over a dial-up modem at, at that. But, but speaking of that, because copy, serve, we had a chat room and we had a message board, and that was the extent. There was no video, no audio, anything like that. Interesting. I, I know a lot of people have gone churches, schools. Everybody has gone to Zoom. Are most of your groups primarily uh, video based, or do you have groups that are meeting on conference calls, or do you have asynchronous groups that are meeting in? you know, Facebook groups and things, or what does that look like?
0: Yeah. I, so we try our hardest to synchronize our groups. We, we're okay with the asynchronized, you know, model um, for sure. But our prime ways that at least, you know, once a week, you are, um, you're meeting real time, either in a text thread, an audio or a video. And then uh, we try to move our groups long-term to video, you know, that's mm. the thought and, but we allow them to start however they like. I will say a dominant amount of our groups are using zoom because it's the easiest platform to use and and to join um but we also have a lot of groups using all sorts of variable platforms we're pretty agnostic at when it comes to platforms generally just because we find people are very particular on their on their tool and yeah they there's all sorts of conference tools that, you know, somebody's like, I'm like, good, just it's you and your friends. So it's the same thing that, especially as you start moving internationally, they start using more obscure platforms. Um, I was just doing a, A couple months into COVID, I did a, I did a conference with a bunch of Russian pastors and I was talking about this conversation and they recommended this platform that I guess is super popular in Russia. And I had never heard of it. And I was just like, yeah, I go use what people want. You know, like WeChat is one of the most popular platforms in the world. And, you know, most Americans know nothing about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm not going to say, don't, you know, use WeChat. I'm just use it. Now, what we do is we tend to model Zoom. I have some stuff on Zoom, like training stuff. And then I say, but use whatever you feel comfortable well, I have groups that do group phone calls, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I'm like, fine. It doesn't matter. Just meet. And then part of it, the coaching on the back end is, hey, you know, you've been doing this, you know, audio thing. Like, let's figure out video because video is better. The same thing as we ultimately want to move them to face-to-face long-term. And mm-hmm. So that might take a year and a half or two years, but, you know, have them start, you know, where they're at, you know, we, there's all sorts of groups. I have groups, not as many, but I have groups using discord and all sorts of like, twitch like platforms where they're playing games and doing stuff doesn't i might not get it you know but like i watch my kids you know i have a 10 7 4 year old and you know my 10 year old you know he watches a lot of those types of people Mm -hmm. you know and it's funny it's funny to watch and i think there's going to be more disruption now i'm curious you know what that's going to turn into because it's a little different than a peer group but i think this is tears where you have a super focused you know you have like I would say traditional small group or Bible study. And then you have like hobby-based groups. And then, mm-hmm. and that's more of a hobby-based because if you're playing a game or doing something and doing, it's a little distracting, but maybe that's a crawl step to a more focused type of experience. I, I've had questions for people that do guilds on different games and they want to do it. And I'm like, yeah, do it, you know? Um, but I, I ultimately, we want to move them into a group where they're just meeting for an hour or so to talk mm-hmm. about some content. But a lot of them start all sorts of ways. But so yeah. they're
1: just not going to, you know, throw in a scripture quote in the middle of a mission in Fortnite or something, right?
0: You know, it's weird because that's how people meet now. You know, especially mm-hmm. if you're under a certain age. You know, I miss that. Like, even you know, I'm in my mid 30s, and you know, I remember I played online, you know, with Xbox and different things. But I it wasn't until I was in college where you could actually like game and have conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't really big into video games at that season of my life and so I, I watch my kids how they play with their friends and they do they hang out. And so I, I think I think that's why you got to see it as and this goes back to like group uh, methodology and you know, you know I, I don't know if playing a basketball game and you're just hanging out for fellowship is really a group. It's a mm-hmm. hobby. I know I understand that it can be something but I would distinguish between like a premium group time where it's focused discussion versus we're doing something all together and maybe talking occasionally. So I might put it into like fellowship group category Mm -hmm. where I'm like, yeah, but I wouldn't, Saddleback wouldn't call that a small group. You know, we would call that something else, but you know, everybody's a little different.
1: Well, it could be just like any other group that's built around a hobby. Like we had a group here in uh, Greenville, South Carolina called the Holy Smokers and they made barbecue. Yeah. And they spent a lot of time doing their cook but they also every Tuesday night gathered and did a Bible study um, in in addition to that. But uh, yeah, Yeah, I think that's,
0: that's the, that, that's the model there where, you know, it's not just hang out and do that, but you're doing two things together, you know? So exactly. Like to me, that's doubling the time, but that's a really good outreach type of you can do both of those, but yeah. So I think the gaming thing is going to, is going to be a big thing moving forward because it's just, it's so normal now, you know, I've spent, we were talking before we started recording I've, I've spent a lot of time the last couple of weeks on Twitch because I've been playing chess and I follow people on Twitch that stream and play chess. And there's a community around it. I was texting with a good friend of mine who's like one of my de facto Facebook ad expert friends. And he's like, have you done any training or videos on Twitch and stuff? Because he's like the community there is so deep. And it is like these streamers on Twitch, you know, they're playing whatever game and they just they talk and there's this active chat and it's Mm -hmm. like the, the, I forget his name. Hakairu is is this guy who plays chess on, on Twitch. He has 25,000 people watching him play chess Mm -hmm. real time. He's just playing chess, 25,000 people pay him. The chat is nuts. And you're like, this is, this is a community. Like they rally around him and they know him. And, and the thought is like, for sure, Twitch, there's a place to be had, like, like there's something there. Now I think what's hard is, This is where Twitch is inherently you are doing something else while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's why I think churches have a hard time because you're like, I don't want to be playing Fortnite and then having a group like what does that mean. Um, So I think that's why it's got to be it can't be either or it's got to be separate. It's got to be a separate thing.
1: You can't meld Fortnite with something on the, you know, the whole armor of God. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Probably could, but I'm not a youth pastor anymore. So I, I couldn't think of that name. I don't, I don't play enough games. I literally watch, um, I watch my kids do it and they, you know, I, I, I don't play any, I'm like such a weird person now. Like I don't, I'm just my my teenage self would be so disappointed in how I spend my time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's and it's interesting too. And one of the things I talk to pastors about, whether they be online platforms to communicate or other platforms, it is what you hit on is where community is gathering. And so where can we take those places where community is gathering? And then maybe turn it into some kind of a group experience. But I do caution pastors that, you know, they don't have to be experts on all of these different platforms, but your people do, you know, they're already there. So if you give them the idea of, hey, could you do a small group in that environment or in that community that you're interacting with online, give people permission and opportunity and then just turn them loose. And you don't have to understand any of it if you don't know about it, right? Exactly. And I think that's the key is I, I think if you have
0: down your, your theory, your methodology, your, your approach, then you, uh, you allow people to iterate. I mean, that's what the internet is, it allow its iteration upon iteration of things, you know, if, if you're part of any meme culture, you look at the f- weirdest memes get the we- like it's so obscure, because they're iterating on, on this random internet moment, and you look at it. And you're like, what, why is that funny? And it's because they're just empowering people to create things, you know? And I think with a lot of these things online, I think you have at the core, like, what is a group to your church? Mm -hmm. And then you have categories. And then if it doesn't fit that category, uh, just call it something else. Don't worry about, you know, if, if it can't be a, you know, like, this is a big thing at our church early on where I wanted to test membership years ago, five, five years ago at our church. And it was a really hard thing for us to test because membership met something very specifically. And I I just remember going like, can I just call it something else? Then if I just call it something else, I need, I, and this is the thing, the step of membership was essential to like a lot of unlocking of other things in our paradigm of how we did church. Mm -hmm. So if I can't have membership, let me call it, you know, first steps or something. Let me do the teach. Let me reduce the content down. Mm -hmm. um to 30 minutes and just let me do something else because it at least at least lets me do something now and i think the same thing with online groups like yeah if you've got somebody if you got some young person that wants to do something on twitch like let them try it out and don't call it a group call it something else and and just say hey can we just talk about it and learn together and i think you need to allow that um that experimenting culture ethos into what you're doing online because there's so much happening you know groups are meeting in all sorts of ways i i i recently um put up this tool in our community where I allowed people to put themselves on a map to meet people in their area. And it was a con, it was an idea that I had seen, I had tested out recently. Some other churches have messed around with it, but I constantly get asked, are are there anybody in our area? And um, I I had a hard time doing that in a very safe and privacy, you know, respecting manner. And so Mm -hmm. I said, I found there's a tool called BatchGeo.com that you can pay monthly and you can uh, upload data points and you can host it. Um, and I just embedded it on like a click form, a click funnel website. And um, you can go, you can go to saddlebackonline.com and you can click on the map. And um, I just got a message from somebody uh, a couple of days ago on Facebook, one of my community members. They said, Hey Jay, I just want to let you know, I found two people in my part of Canada and we started a group. Mm. And I was just like, how crazy is that? Like, I put this map up. It was an idea. I was able to start it very quickly without a lot of time. It took some money. Like, Batch Geo it's not the cheapest platform to use, but it allowed me to have a map that I can upload, I can update via an Excel, and then I can embed that map on a web page with data. And it was just like, how cool is this? Like, this worked, you know. And and I, and I think, but that comes with trying. And my church mm-hmm. gave me the freedom to try. Now, obviously, we're large enough where they have you know, we, they can do that, but that's why I tell most churches with a lot of this stuff online, not just with groups is, you know, appoint somebody to be your digital point person. It doesn't have to be a staff could be part-time could be volunteer, but allow them to represent the community, um, to you because you're going to automatically drift. As we start to meet in person, you're going to, you're going to drift away from digital being important. Now I know we're forever changed, but I think you just need to understand that, like, just, let people try, empower some people to kind of do some weird things, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and it's almost like if you had, um, well, and you do have this, would be members of your congregation that were in other language groups that you wouldn't necessarily endeavor to learn every single one of those languages, but you would find somebody in the language group that was able to start a small group and gather community. So almost thinking of the digital world as, another language or certainly another culture, if you will, and then appoint somebody that's going to lead your ministry into that.
0: Yeah. That's a big thing. Um, That's a good way of saying it because I I do think it is a totally different culture. Um, And yeah, you see it. Like we we were discussing briefly, like right before, like the whole GameStop Robin Mm -hmm. hood debacle. And it's, (laughs) it just showed it just shows that wall street does not understand the internet or the power of it. And that's wall street you know, some of the smartest people in the world are working there. And to think some subreddit thread called, you know, um, you know, Wall Street bets, or whatever the world it was, mm-hmm. like, could just move the market, you know, I'm watching it right now, like, I, I bought some yeah. do- uh, dog coin, and they're doing it with dog coin. And, you know, it's crazy to think like, you just get this influx of things. And it, and it just shows like, the power of the internet is, it's just such a different place. And trust me, I don't get it at all. Like it's weird, you know, and to think you can get the internet, it's just naive. And so if you feel overwhelmed, that's okay. But this is why it's important. Like, I think of it, like when you're planting a church or you're building your team at your church, you have different key players that help you. You might have somebody, you know, if you're planting a church, you might have somebody in real estate helping you figure out, you know, Mm -hmm. where to go. You might have music, Direct you might have kids, people, uh, kids, person. I think you need to have a digital savvy person that's in your team. Again, it doesn't have to be staff. It could just be somebody who maybe owns a business or who's a, a digital ad person or a communications background at a different place that just thinks about this stuff. And you got to, you got to lean into that person, ask questions um, um, the same way as, you know, you're just thinking about your website and all this. So I, I think that's why it's, I think churches are understanding that, but I think, you know, where we're going, it's it's going to be interesting, especially as we start to gather in person again, you know, how does this stay a priority?
1: And it certainly sped things up in, in a lot of ways. And I think it'll be interesting too, to just to see how quickly people get back into the habit of attending church, or is it kind of like when you stop going to the gym, it takes a little bit of effort to kind of get back into the regular routine, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yes. let's talk a little more about online groups because obviously you have a, a good number of online groups. How do you supervise all of those groups or what kind of coaching do you provide for them or what does that look like? Yeah. So
0: we do a couple high level things. Obviously we do monthly type of emails and updates and we check in with the group. So we, we have blast type of strategy that are just like updates that happen monthly. Um, and then we have uh, infrastructure stuff where we have a uh, volunteers over anywhere between 10 to 30 groups that they check in personally with each group host and they're the lifeline for that group um and then the personal update is more the personal connection is more identifying you know whatever their next step is either take our leadership course become a member or whatever Um, and so that that's how we take care of it and then our my small groups person on my team kevin he he's he has a core team of know 40 volunteers that their job is to do that you know um and then typically the more healthy groups they are under a volunteer usually you know internally we would say like red tag groups groups that aren't responsive um kevin is over those groups and he's a little bit more proactive and so those groups if you don't respond in a certain amount of time you get removed and so you become like high care where you're a little bit you know it's kind of like a you know like a uh, urgent care or like a you yeah, know, triage them a year.
1: little bit huh yeah
0: yeah you're checking instead of checking on the person a couple times a day you're checking every 30 minutes type of model um and so uh, that that's what we do and then usually once a year we do have a big campaign where that brings up that brings in a lot of life and then we have some we have a couple moments throughout the year where we'll, we'll typically do a smaller campaign but it's more internal um and so at a high level that's what we do, we, we try to gather them once a year for a big event, something around honoring them. Um, yeah. So th- those are some of the high level things we do.
1: That's good. That's good. Um, I know last year you came out with a, a course on online small groups. Tell us a little bit about the course.
0: Yeah. So I have two courses. One was uh, a free course that's on um, the small group network website, how online groups work. Um, it's just on YouTube. Um, and it just kind of talks about you know what does the typical online group look like um, you know uh, we talk through examples uh, in strategy of growth strategy a lot of stuff we've kind of hinted on i get into more detail it's about an hour long um, that's on youtube for free um, and then i recently a couple months into covid um, i did a new align course with the small group network where it's a little bit more intensive and it's updated because of um, covid um, and so we, we got a little bit more specific you know, my original course was a little bit more educational, like how to meet online. Well, going into COVID, a lot of people figured out how to do that. Um, you know, and so I no longer think I have to do a lot of coaching on lighting and different things. I think people have, have equipment and have setups, you know, um, even me, like I've upgraded my setup since I got started and, um, because we're just using it uh, so much more. So both of those course, I think that other course is 59 bucks or something, but it's a, it's a, it's a little bit more intensive. It's shot a little bit better, but it's really the intention there is to kind of talk about the COVID learnings, um, how to do that. You can find both on the small group network.
1: Very good. Very good. Well, Jay, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. And I expect everybody who listens to this will have Twitch small groups before we know it.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it.
1: All right. Thank you.